Hey everybody, what's up? I'm back with another episode. Um, it has been a while since I did one of these. I had some things that I needed to work on, both personally and with my family. And one of the things that I needed to step away from in order to do that was the podcast. Um, I knew eventually I would get back to it. I just didn't really know when. But over the past couple months, I feel like it's just been really strong on my heart to jump back into it. And as much as I fought it, thankfully, um, I have a super supportive wife who was continuing to push me to uh, get back into having these conversations. And so I'm thankful for her and thankful for what I've learned. I'm still learning. Um, obviously, as anybody who's married and has kids know, it's a, it's a never-ending journey of just opportunities to learn and grow. And sometimes it takes some hard situations to do that. But um, man, I'm just thankful that I have a wife that loves me and supports me and is willing to stick with me. Um, no matter how many times I give her reasons not to. And um, she's just been super graceful, um, has been an awesome teammate and partner in life. And I couldn't imagine doing life with anybody else. So thank you, Taylor. Thank you for your support. And with that, I want to go ahead and jump into the intro for my guest today. His name is Gary Shepard, and he's a guy that I met after moving here to the Bulverde area. He's been uh, just an awesome friend. I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last year, but I would say over the last five to six months, our relationship has really gone deeper and I've been able to get to learn from him along the way. So he has a lot of really good things to say. Our conversation definitely went longer than anticipated, but I'm thankful for that because the conversation we had and the things that we talked about were definitely full of good information and things that I feel like I learned from and am going to try to apply it to my life. Um, you know, we had this great conversation and then even after we stopped recording, the conversation continued and, you know, Gary's just full of wisdom and experience and he has a lot of really good things to say and share. And so I hope you guys enjoy it and let me know what y'all think. And, um, here we go. You think by now it was something you be used to. Put on your coffee and turn on the news. It's gonna be hot as hell, but at least the skies are blue. You're clocking in, wore out, but you do what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah. I think we just roll with it and see what happens. Sounds good. Yeah. So, but, well, cool. Well, I am recording, so I just figured oh. we'd lead right into it. So, <laughs> um, but. Anyways, so tell me how your week's been. I know I walked in here and you said it's been kind of a crazy week. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting week. Um, we do – so for my job, it's very volatile for assignments. Like this past week, I didn't have an assignment. So I just go to work, uh, piddle around on the computer, answer some emails, get in a couple of meetings. I had like eight meetings, which only seven were relevant, and then uh, – Shoot, I was coming home early every day, which is mm -hmm. great, which is good because uh, half the time for my job, as I mentioned before, like I'm usually on the road 100 days a year. And so like 100? 100 days. Okay. Last, last year in 22, I was on the road for 104. Um, that was one of the lower ones. Yeah. Uh, that's just not even like travel as away from the family 104 days. Yeah. So what is it? Explain a little bit about like what is it that you do? So I'm in a, a cybersecurity professional that I go out and do inspections as well as I do 
uh, information technology project management where I go out and manage uh, different IT projects throughout the Western half of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really a dual hat of position. So it takes two people to do that, both those jobs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my time is very nonstop or it's either dead, depending if I have an inspection lined up or if there's a project, a major project where I go on the road. Mm-hmm. Like I was just in San Francisco for about a week and a half um, in Northern California, two different places for a week and a half. And uh, when I would go out there, I would oversee the project or help troubleshoot when it comes to the technology portions. Mm-hmm. As like a person who had been in IT for 20 years, I can help troubleshoot and everything like that. But I basically supervise yeah. the technicians that work out there. And then for the compliance side, I just go in there and audit the specifications through... Um, we do... The National Institute of Science and Technology, NIST, mm-hmm. uh, for their accreditation standards. And I basically make sure that our subordinate organizations follow the guidelines that are set out there. 850-page manual. So yeah. it's pretty fun, and it, no one does it. It's, it's impossible to be perfect. So. Yeah. But you basically just coach and mentor, which is one of my passions. And so like, I like to go out there, coach and mentor, open the ability for those people, those technicians to see a different lens on how to actually do it. Cause everyone operates in their own little environments. And when you have an external auditor come through, it allows them to have a different view of what they're supposed to be doing to a correct standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allows for everyone to have better cyber hygiene. Okay. Now who do you work with? Like, um, your type of clientele, who, who is it that you're doing cybersecurity for? Primarily. So I am in the United States Army, so I work where uh, different entities inside the United States Army. And we, um, from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers um, to uh, major installations um, across the United States, the Reserve, the National Guard, and the regular Army side as well as uh, some special entities out there, um, the one-offs that we will go service on an as-call basis. And I'll mm-hmm. go inspect those at a uh, on-case basis um, that are required. But mostly it's just uh, active duty United States Army installations. Yeah, okay. Um, so was the military, was that something you got into out of high school or college or when did you join and kind of what led you into that? Yeah, so... Um, I always dreamed to go to going to college, um, pretty much was guaranteed it and worked hard, did everything, uh, great grades, um, did honor classes, had a whole gambit of extracurricular activities. I was sure in, mm-hmm. uh, was supposed to go to the Oregon Institute of Technology to be a computer engineer. Cause I love computers. I yeah. always have. And, uh, my childhood wasn't the absolute greatest. Um, so, so, it was good and bad at the exact same time. Um, I was fortunate to be in a wealthy family. I had an incredible meal every single time. Uh, my mom was a gourmet chef. My stepdad had two PhDs, most brilliant man I've ever met in my life. Mm. But I was very sheltered in life. Okay. Um, I would go summers without seeing friends because we lived out of town. And my parents wouldn't allow me to go see them. Um, very strict on... Uh, just in like 1950s upbringing type style. Like it was very non uh, liberal, if you will. I didn't have any freedoms. It was a okay. very strict uh, way of upbringing. And so 
my senior year, I snapped, um, ran away from home even for five weeks. Um, came back to the house because I was forced to after trying to get my um, child support alimony going direct to my bank account. My yeah. parents freaked out about that, and so they forced <laughs> me back in the house. Yeah. Um, and then from there, um, graduated high school. Parents didn't even attend my high school graduation. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was pretty crazy. And so with that, I would uh, have the summer, had a really good internship with a computer semiconductor manufacturer, was going to go down that rabbit hole, go to Oregon Institute Technology. Hmm. Two weeks away from going uh, down to Klamath Falls, my parents said, oh, we're not signing your student loans. Oh, shoot. We're not going to put your door deposit down. And I only had a couple grand in the bank account. Couldn't write my own student loans or sign them because my parents had the income to not allow me to do that sure. so with that i the next day I joined the army yeah and uh now i'm nine almost 19 years in okay uh so i've uh done pretty well um yeah you went to school you finished school while in the army sounds like you yeah went back to school and yeah okay yeah so uh my, the reason why i joined the army is for the education right okay. army has an incredible educational opportunity um you just have to actually have the perseverance to do it sure and most people don't mm. um i didn't for the first couple years and then i just went full board into it um got my undergrad in networking communication management got my graduate in uh information management with a certificate advanced study information security management Dang. um i have nine industry certifications at the graduate or graduate above level um so i'm pretty well doctrinally and credentialed for my career field. Yeah. And I would never have the opportunity if I didn't join the army. Yeah. Um, so it, that portion of my life has just been spectacular. Not the conventional road, not what all my friends did. Sure. I only have, I think four or five friends that joined the army or some military branch. Only two are still in, hmm. uh, which is kind of funny. I've leapfrogged a couple of them around my career. It's kind of cool. What do you but, mean leapfrog? So like, uh, one of my good buddies, um, he joined the army a year before me, and he joined as an infantryman. I joined a communication, mm -hmm. uh, a signal support specialist, and uh, we were in Afghanistan together. Then we were in Iraq together. Then we we're in Germany together. Then yeah. we we're in Washington State together. Germany again the second time together. And now he's going to move to El Paso. But, oh no, he's moving to Oregon now. So we were always going to stay together. But uh, yeah, we were uh, probably spent 10 years relatively in the same area. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what did you mention um, at the beginning of the story? You had mentioned that, um, I guess, towards the later years of your high school, you and your parents weren't really kind of seeing eye to eye. Sure. So like what what caused that to happen? You know, you, you ran away. Was it your senior year, you said? Yeah. And then they didn't come to your graduation. Like what kind of led up to that? And how did, how did that make you feel? The fact that you're getting ready to graduate high school and, and here you are by yourself, your parents didn't even show up. Yeah. So it was, I think being sheltered so much, you get rebellious. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, especially you see society. Like I wasn't like sheltered from society, but I was separated from society. Um, so my parents, um, 
my stepdad was 30 years the senior to my mom. So I grew up in an elderly mm-hmm. house. Um, my parents were both retired by the time I was age four. Okay. So uh, I didn't have that youthful experience. My, my mom coached my first grade soccer team. Um, the rec soccer wasn't anything big, yeah. but um, it was a weird upbringing and unconventional. Like I said, it was loving to a degree. It was warm and homey to a degree. I mean, we grew up in this area called Snob Hill because where all the rich people live. Snob in my Hill? Too. Yeah, Snob okay. Hill, yeah. Uh, it's because where all the rich people live. Mm. Um, but I grew up with my parents rich and I was poor, mm. which actually humbled me a lot. Um, I worked for every single thing I ever had in my life. Okay. Um, no hand-me-downs. I Goodwill shopping. It was... Um, was that, that your decision or was no, that... No, it was theirs. That was theirs. Okay, yeah. so even though they had the means to provide, oh, they yeah. chose to say, hey, you're on your own if you want anything... Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, like I said, that, that gives you that character building sure. um, versus just being hand me down to everything in life. And so that character building shaped me tremendously throughout life. And that's actually, I think the most reasonable or most substantial reason why I'm so successful the way I am. Mm. And uh, so I will say like, looking back, yeah, I absolutely hate life. Um, mm. Looking now, I'm like, I'm so glad I had that life. Yeah, but leading up to my my junior senior, I got my first girlfriend. Okay, um, they obviously don't like that. They think <laughs> I'm going to do other things. Um, uh, it was at, at the time it was utopia. It was perfect. My to my junior year up until like midway through my senior year it was great. And then uh, we ate, we just had a snafu. My parents said, "Nope, you're not allowed to have a girlfriend anymore." I'm like, "Well, yes, I am. I'm a, I'm 17. I know the world." Yeah. And so they're like, absolutely not. And so I walked out of the house and parents won't let me have a driver's license even. Wow. Um, on my 18th birthday, my next door neighbor took me to get my driver's license. Um, that's just how crazy it was. Yeah. And so, but like I said, that strict, strict, strict upbringing definitely made me appreciate the ability to be self-sufficient and the, the, also taught me like what not to do, mm. but also tell me how to make sure that I know how to raise people to be in a, in a rigid, non-loose, non-like lackadaisical lifestyle that societal is starting to turn into. Yeah. 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 So you're probably going into the military. You are already a good fit because you had that discipline. Oh yeah. You had the intentionality needed to succeed and the military probably just brought that out even more, huh? So the worst part about going to the military was arrogant. I was an eight-year-old kid. Okay. And so, but that quickly happened or shaped me out of that within the first week of basic training. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still arrogant for a while and I, <laughs> but, uh, honestly still kind of am, <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, definitely, uh, humbled me a lot going in. So mm-hmm. I, I knew, I mean, I was a, a varsity soccer player. I, I love running. So going to the military culture and the fitness, I, I Shoot, I love that attribute of it for sure. And then like the demand. So I always did um my English. I'm awful at English, but I always did like higher end math. I always did uh sciences. I always did like the AP classes and I always wanted like advanced stuff. And that's what the military gave me. It allowed yeah. me literally the game as much as I wanted Access do, I to do whatever it. you wanted to pursue. Literally anything I wanted to pursue. Yeah. And I just ran with it. And I'm every time I ran with it, I excelled. I fast tracked in the military, which allowed me to progress and rank quicker than normal, allowed me to have more key jobs that were not available to others, mm-hmm. allowed me 
Shoot, I've been to over 40 countries in the world from the military. Wow. Like most people haven't left the state that they grew up in. Yeah. And so I've, I've seen the world. I took my family around the world. It allowed me to definitely have a better vantage of what the world actually is. Absolutely. Nice. Well, yeah. So speaking of your family, mm-hmm. um, why don't you go ahead, you know, and just kind of dive into a little bit. Um, you know, you're married, obviously kids, if you want to kind of break down, um, just who they are and, and, um, where you're at in life with them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, my loving wife, Tiffany, we've been married for 15 years now. Nice. We just had our 15th anniversary in April. Um, I got married young to have kids young and then we waited nine years to have kids. So we had a nine year honeymoon. So like I alluded, I've been gone. 100 days a year and so her vision of our family was i would be stable Mm. military is never stable Mm. and she grew up as a military brat Um, her dad served 16 years in the marine slash army Um, her whole family does all that kind of stuff and so like she understood the military but i would say i tricked her but i said like hey i'm just doing my first year and we're getting out and then i just kept re-enlisting re-enlisting and then all right i'm gonna make a career out of it um but She's been a rock, the most stable thing in my life. Uh, awesome. 15 years without waiver. Um, uh, solid Christian, beautiful child of God. She's in, she's an incredible person. Nice. Um, then uh, now we have two extremely energetic boys. Um, we have my oldest, Ethan, six, and my youngest, Landon, is about to be four next month. Um, both just in incredible human beings um i i have gosh i've been lucked out so like i have a thing in my dad's side of the family where the first son in the family has the grandfather's middle name okay so like my grandfather i'm gary philip shepherd my grandfather's name is philip right so Ethan's middle name is Ethan Allen Shepherd. His my grand, my dad is Allen. And so when they have kids, their middle name will be Gary. Exactly. Okay. Right. Which is a weird middle name. But <laughs> hey, I've heard worse. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's the tradition that's been going back about five or six generations now. Um That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And so I always want to have a boy. I'm yeah. Like pressure. I'm the last male on my dad's side of the family between my first, second, and third cousins and my sister and two half sisters wow so i have a, I have a lineage yeah uh, you gotta keep it going and so now i have not just one but two boys that awesome. can be able to do the shepherd name across it that's cool um so it's been uh gosh it's been a blessing uh they they are incredible super super smart for beyond smart um and i just just love them yeah cool what was it like you know you you had said that uh, when you and tiffany got married you guys wanted kids right away but it took nine years for that to happen so after that nine-year period when you found out y'all were pregnant what what did that do to you um were you like i, I want to say almost i want to say shock i would say relieved okay um that's a good word yeah it was i mean like i said i always wanted to be a father mm-hmm. uh, i want to be a youthful father but uh I'm 37 I'm broken because of the military but uh so I can't be that as youthful father as I wanted to be as a, like a 22 or 23 year old but however that 9 years matured me so much that if I was a 23 year old kid um trying to have a kid I 
not saying I would not be the father I am today, but I would not have the wisdom that I have mm. today to be that more influential father to my kids. Yeah. Like my kids adore me, which is amazing. And I, I'm so fortunate that they do. And for me being a 23, I was an arrogant prick to be honest. And I would be selfish and self-centered, do my own thing, pass everything to the wife. And shoot, I don't know if we would have lasted a couple mm. of years, which wow. would have been, um impossible to deal with yeah um versus now we're we're a mature well-rooted household and the kids we have now are just blossoming because of it with the way my wife has the fortune ability to be a stay-at-home mom i can support the household graham's still gone more than i want to be yeah but it allows us to have this harmonic relationship to upraising or upraising our children the way that we want to be not just in societal, but godly as well. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have the ability to have our children in an environment that is loving, welcome, nurturing, relational is just amazing. Something, like I said, I had to a degree, but I didn't have a degree as a kid. The right. same thing for Tiffany too. Tiffany, yeah. I said she grew up in a broken home, not at all, but it, I mean, she used to sleep on the floor because there was no beds in the house. Mm, yeah. And so with that, it definitely shaped the way that her life was. And our goal as a couple was never to have our kids like that. Yeah. And that's honestly the reason why the weight is more. Because me, 23, I was making a quarter of the paycheck I was then. Yeah. Uh, or now. Yeah. Um, and so with Tiffany, she was working at a coffee shop. She, I mean, our financial situation to be able to raise our children wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Gary, I've, I've known you for, geez, what, at least a year, mm -hmm. you know, I, I met you after I had moved here, Taylor and I moved here. Uh, but I feel like, man, the past four to six months, you and I have really kind of grown a lot closer. Sure. Um, I feel like our relationship is kind of, blossomed into something cool. Um, someone asked me the other day, um, I was listening actually to another podcast and they were talking about the importance of friendship. It's the one that I sent y'all. Yeah. Um, and my brother asked me, he said, Hey, you know, who, who are the men in your lives that you could say, hold that title? And of course, you know, I'm, I'm in a separate group with, uh, you know, my uncle, my brother and my father-in-law. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I said, well, you know, y'all are definitely people that I'm striving for, you know, to, to be that type of person with and to have y'all be that type of person for me. And I said, but there's a couple people back, you know, here at home that I feel like fit that mold. And 100%, man, I feel like, I feel like our relationship has turned into something where, Without a doubt, if I ever needed you, I could count on you. Right. Um, you know, watching our relationship grow into what it is, I've learned a lot from you um, just by the way that you run your family, the way you love your wife, the way you love your kids. Um, and I've seen the things that you've gone through and I've heard these stories. You and I have had some great conversations about our highs and lows and just kind of what life has thrown at us. And so, um, you know, this with this podcast being focused more on you know, fatherhood, I would really love for you to share just your experience. Um, I know that, you know, recently you've just, you've mentioned that your kids are awesome and amazing and, and I can vouch for that. And, you know, they are great kids that do love you. They respect you. And, um, you know, things are good now, right? You know, I've right. talked about that, but they're good now, but they weren't so good 
not that long ago. Sure. And so one thing that I would love for you to share is just kind of, you know, the experience you had going from, okay, nine years into it. Now you're a dad, you know, you have one boy, now you have two boys, all the things that you've learned raising these kids in such a short amount of time to go from things are so awesome. I love being a dad to conversations you and I've had where like, you just don't know what to do. Right. Like you're at your wits end and you're frustrated and you're confused and you're tired. Um, all things that we go through, but everything that happened was specific to you because of, you know, for lack of better terms, what your boys put you through. Right. And so if you could just dive into that and, and kind of explain and take us on this journey as to, you know, what happened during that time? What, how did that transition into that? And what did you learn? What'd you take away? And just kind of share your story, man. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So <laughs> I say everything is rosy now because it is. Um, mm-hmm. Not even just a couple months ago, it was the worst situation of both of our lives combined. Um, so we recently moved to Texas in May of 22. Uh, Ethan at the time was just turned five, landing two, about to be three in July. And so with that, um, Ethan started kindergarten. So mama bear, papa bear have to put the kid in school. And so mm-hmm. we purposely picked the best school that we can afford to get our lifestyle into. So we picked a house that we can afford that's nicer than most into a aligned school district. That's incredible. And that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very analytical and statistical and that kinds of things. And in all reality, in summarizing, it turned out to be great, but in the entry point of it, it was not. Mm. Um, first off, we lost school buses, and so that puts stress on the family. Uh, Tiffany has to wait an hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon for a car pickup line, which was something we were not expecting. Yeah, um, Just the undue stress that caused in the family, and luckily that kind of got resolved after all the way, I think it was like in November when we were able to have our kid walk to at least the car, which saved like literally 90 minutes of her life every day. Um, But all this stress kind of built up on the kids. Kids were not having it. So kids were starting to act up, life happens, we get it. Uh, New season, kids in school. Um, Granted, we were in Germany when we moved here. We put the kids in like a, not really daycare, it's like a, uh, pre-K, if you will. Okay. Uh, so we put them both in this pre-K program for like twice a week, just for like social interaction. And that helped a lot, mm-hmm. but it was completely different going to kindergarten eight hours a day, five days a week. Right. And so Ethan, he was doing great. Teachers loved him, class favorite, everyone loved him. Um, and it was like November, December, we started noticing a mood swing with Ethan, like very volatile. wasn't like, um, his normal self and we're just like quizzitive with it. What's going on? Christmas break happens. All is good. Obviously holidays, Christmas, New Year's. Yeah. He's, goes back into school in January. All of a sudden he literally flips a switch. He, uh, and uh, remind us he's how old this time? Uh, five, about to be six, like a couple months later. Okay. Um, so he's still in kindergarten. Um, and he literally flips the switch. He, uh, rebellious, hitting students, throwing things. He literally Tasmanian deviled a class where he had to, ev- the whole class had to evacuate wow. because 
of the destruction he was causing and the harm he could have caused the other students. The most unprecedented thing that we've ever experienced, couldn't research, couldn't figure it out. Um, he was on the verge of being expelled in kindergarten, wow. which is unfathomable to me. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, but like they were at their last end. And so finally, um, he had in-school suspension for three days, or actually had, he had in-school suspension for two days and one day of out-school suspension, mm -hmm. which I just blows my mind. That's even a thing for kindergarten. Yeah. Um, turns out he was being bullied hard and statistically 25% of students are in kindergarten, first grade to get bullied. Jeez. Just name calling, whatever. That's that's just a American statistic. Twenty five percent, so yeah. one out of four, gets bullied. And so the issue was is we as parents try to prep them for them as much as possible. Obviously, we're nurturing. We're trying to make yeah. sure, hey, here's the world. We're not just gonna send you off. Like, hey, if something happens, make sure to an adult. Yeah. Well, the teacher, I mean, bless her heart, she's an incredible, godly person. She, um, I'm not even allowed to say this, but she even prayed over him in school, which is just amazing to me. Um, and, but she was a younger student or a younger teacher and she didn't understand the situation that was going on. Yeah. Luckily, this is one of the, like, again, one of the best schools in the state of Texas. And they have this program for rehabilitation. They allowed him to go to another another classroom, which we were kind of advocating beforehand anyway. Yeah. Um, once he's in that new classroom with a senior teacher, light switch again. Mm. He acted out for the first three weeks. That teacher didn't tolerate that. Very disciplined, but very non-confrontational. Um, so not like, you must go to the principal's office. Yeah, he, he went back and forth to the principal's office for that first week. And then the second week, he would just go in the corner. Third week... He kind of realized, okay, all my attention seeking is not doing anything. I don't have the bully next to me to mm -hmm. like escape from by yeah. acting out. And so after like the third, fourth week, he was back to his normal self, class favorite. Mm. All the extracurricular people were like, oh my gosh, he's where's this kid back again? It was incredible. And um, that portion of our life, trying to figure out why he was like that. Um we put him through weekly counseling. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Smith and Valley Counseling, incredible, incredible institution. Yeah. Um, we put him in MMA, which he's still in. Yeah. For the focus and discipline that requires of that, uh, we put him through um, church leadership stuff, which allows him to be a focal point for the church in uh, the Odyssey class. And that, that relationship he's building there to actually become a leader, more Christ-like, helps us out, uh, helped him out rather. Um, and like all these different things that we're doing to help him structured into a loving, caring environment away from external factors that were bullying, almost like, I don't say handicapping from him able to control emotions on his own, mm -hmm. but giving him an attribute or an advantage to be able to find a way to deal with it because he couldn't deal with it on his own yeah. through support structures. He was taught enabled him to, gosh, he's, he's brilliant. He's 
yeah, he's I'll just leave with that. He's he's just a brilliant, humble kid. The way he used to be into a better environment, and again, like as a as a father, I mean, I grew up like I said in that strict house. I couldn't even imagine doing that. Mm. Me throwing a tornado, I I would have a metal spatula on me every two seconds. Yeah. It, it would be a completely different lifestyle. But I can't do that. So you would add violence on violence. They're just going to go into a shell. Yeah. And statistically, that's how more that's more how more children get more broken when they're in an environment where they're nonstop in a turmoil state they have no relief they have no support system what we did whatever happened in school stayed in school mm. <clears throat> at home 100 fresh start we get his report card or his daily worksheet flipped out broke broke a classmate's pencil hey you had a good day at school you had a good day i'm glad you had a good day at school mm. hey let's let's go to the park um, give them a sense of security um, at the house. That's that's the number one safe place uh, for any kid, any family member is your house. And if you're in an environment where your household is um, in an, uh, in a non-loving supportive system, they're just going to be worse. Mm -hmm. They're going to it's going to be exponential their emotions and their interactions. So when they're in a place of hardship, which sadly was the school, yeah, um, that should never be the place. But sadly, it was at that one moment of his life. Um, we did not want to replicate what we had in school to the house, yeah. And so that, in conjunction with those th uh, three extracurricular things outside the school, helped build that foundation. In addition to moving away from his source of contention, between all those attributes it just rejuvenated him and he's now better than he was. Nice. That's crazy, man. It's, it was, I, and this was all in the span of how long, give or take. So late November, January, March, four months. Okay. So by March, he was deemed okay. He still went to counseling for a while and then it went to like once a month and now he doesn't go anywhere. Um, he's still doing MMA. <laughs> we just got back this afternoon. Yeah. Um, I, I, he is doing beyond well with it. It's still focus issues. Yeah. So we're making him still, I'm going to say making him, we encourage him to still do that. And I hope he maintains that. That's something I always wanted to do in my life. I never had an opportunity to, but mm. I want to see him for at least the first couple of years of his adolescent life. If he can thrive with it, mm. or at least it will build him a foundation of, of, discipline focus and maturity that he would never have in pretty much anything else at this age yeah um so yeah he's crushing it we even put landon in it it's his second week for well, yeah how does he feel about it uh he's just giddy about it yeah it's like <laughs> i'm playing i'm playing around yeah, yeah. but uh, so like i mean i will say that um yeah his sensei uh uh coach paul hayden just Man, that that is the pinnacle of a human being. Mm. Gosh, I have I've never met a human being so poised in life. And he's stern, rigid, loving. Um, the the epitome of a person of a coach is trying to get you 
to where you're supposed to be. And he's, shoot, he, he doesn't need to be doing this, but he loves it. He can just be doing like the, the dance stuff for like the more elder kids or adults. I mean, his program is so, so broad that he takes time to do these three to seven rolls that just mm. spinning around, kicking around, not doing anything, just running amok. And I've watched him over the past just six months literally bleed, sorry, breathe life into these these children who were just astray. Wow. And being able to get a person who just sit there, kick and scream like a like a three year old on the ground in a grocery store, like a helpless parent, be able to get him to stand at a at a, a student uh, position where he's just rigid like a bean pole. Mm-hmm. He'll stand there for a minute, and for that person to focus from going like absolutely ape to being able to be disciplined, in just a couple weeks to yeah. a month, it, he's a whisperer. Um, and the way he's done so well with my son, and hopefully my second son as well, um, to be able just to bring them into a gosh, um, just a productive person in society. Um, not being crazy, not being ludicrous, not being structured, just being, hey, I'm going to be this person. I'm going to be humble about it. I'm going to be helpful. I'm going to be coaching. I'm going to be teaching. Yeah. Because with that program, they have like the seven, eight-year-olds in the in the uh, Little Dragons class, what do they call it? Yeah. Uh, in the Little Dragons class as teaching assistants at seven. Oh, wow. You have a seven-year-old teaching four-year-old's discipline. Yeah. Just mind-blowing to me. And I watch it every time I go there. I mean, I'm I'm kind of checked out, burnt out from work. But every sure. time I like focus onto it, I just I just sit there and smile. I, I'm always filming them. There, it's just an an amazing experience. And I I will say like if anyone's having issues with their kids not being able to focus or not having discipline issues, some kind of martial art. And I know people always make. I wouldn't say make fun of it, um, but like kids doing like Taekwondo or Jiu-Jitsu or Judo, they think of it as just like a ha-ha type thing. Like it's an actual real benefit for them, mm-hmm. more so than I could ever imagine because I never had the opportunity to experience it. Right. But granted, I grew up in a strict environment, so I was never susceptible to that. But I've seen my nieces and nephews, all four of them have done some kind of martial art or wrestling or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they just crush life. More people I know do some kind of like either uh, physical activity, either through martial arts or some sports activity, some kind of thing where you have a leadership figure outside of your household that allows them to be disciplined, structured in a controlled environment with love surrounding it. Mm. Football, I mean, Texas football, like every person, in my opinion, who does that kind of thing just allows all those coaching love it's like a second father second household second uh encompassment of that um but at a younger age i mean i'm not going to have my six-year-old playing tackle football right um six-year-olds don't understand soccer yet i mean i used to coach four or five-year-old soccer and they just run around with their heads cut off yeah i mean it's it's it's, there's no structure with that that's just extracurricular activity but uh mixed martial arts at this age can be sternly structured and allows them to have that focus and discipline. Yeah. I mean, you know, it makes me think of, um, I had this conversation the other day just about 
sports in general. And, you know, you hear these stories all the time about adults saying, man, there was this one coach back when I was a kid in high school or college or whatever that, that in a sense was, it was a mentor, someone who taught them the game, but also instilled principles in their lives that would take them outside of the game. Right. So, you know, it makes me think with MMA, I mean, you have to have an extreme amount of discipline, in my opinion, to succeed in that sport because there's going to be times where you get knocked down. There's going to be times where you're, you know, uh, at a disadvantage or, you know, whatever the, the case is, the discipline to continue to fight back or to hold your composure or to do what you need to do to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I can see how that translates into life. And so for Ethan to learn that at such a young age, right. it's only going to take him leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. So um, my question though is, is, you know, you talk about in this MMA class, how the sensei has been this, all these things for Ethan and how he's, um, you know, taught him discipline and helped him keep his composure and taught him you know, love. And, you know, well, I guess the sensei is more like the loving figure right. in this. And so um, outside of MMA, when Ethan comes home, especially during that time when he was going crazy, like, what does that look like in your house as far as, um, like, where's your mind at at those times? How do you... You know, I know that, you know, you mentioned earlier, your goal is to leave school at school and, and praise him and shower him with love when he gets home. But I mean, I've got to imagine that that wasn't the case every single day, because with everything y'all were going through, I'm sure you were getting frustrated at times. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I hate living a masked life, like a facade that you put on for someone, but that's what we had to do for our kids just to ensure that they had that loving lifestyle. Shoot, even today, like is watching Ethan twirl around, not standing at in uh the student position, like learning position, like he's not focused. He's just literally just looking around, staring at the ceiling, flailing his arm, like I just want to go out there and force him to do that right. in a in a very stern way, which you're not supposed to do anymore. Uh, but uh it's it, it broke me. Yeah. I was literally broken. Uh, I mean, I'm man enough to admit it. I, I didn't know what to do. I, I couldn't Google enough trying to figure out a resolution for my sanity in that. Cause like I said, I grew up in a household that that wasn't tolerated, but I was broken because of that. Mm. Um, like I said, like I, I had a, love hate relationship with my childhood and I was broken because of how strict it was and how disciplined it was versus what um I want to ensure our kids have is have that safe loving relationship stern and to extend and not like allow them to go like crazy like apes or anything but I want them to have that sense of responsibility and etiquette and everything in life. However, for me to, again, take the situation we had with the bullying and him acting out, literally evacuating classrooms from his behavior to be able to do that 180 degree, gosh, it literally took every ounce of energy I had. Yeah. Outside of my full-time job. Yeah. Outside of Tiffany trying to um, deal with all of that as well. It's, it it took a lot for me to get out 
And I will say it took our community that we have, our small community, to be able to express my frustrations in life and my inability to resolve the situation. I'm a huge problem solver. That's, that's all we do yeah. uh, in the military is just problem solve all day. And I couldn't even have a theory on how to resolve this problem. Mm -hmm. I was literally lost, broken, had no mindset to be able to fix the situation. Um, it honestly took Ethan to fix me. Hmm. Ethan had to figure it out. I couldn't help him. And I was, that's the worst thing for a father is if you're, if your son, if you can't help your son and your son has to help him out. And again, that's what you want. You want your son to be self-serving and be able to be self-sufficient. Yeah. But at seven years old, but I seven mean, years old, no, you're supposed to be his safe haven in life. Yeah. And I was literally broken on how to be able to do that. And with that, I was uh, ensuring I just remained level-headed as much as I could. Mm. Um, and I want to ensure that what he had in life was not a loving thing, which, man, to be honest, I just want to... Maybe I just missed her. You said... You wanted to ensure that he did not have a loving. No, I, he only had. Oh, okay. He only. Sorry, thank you. He only had a loving environment. Okay. I didn't want to beat him out of it. Um, that's how my child was. I was beaten out of discipline or wow. into discipline. Yeah. And I, sure, like I've been stern with him, but I don't want him to remember his childhood as being beaten to a pulp. Yeah, and, and especially when he's coming from an environment where he's being bullied. Exactly. You don't want to put him back in another environment at home where he's being bullied again. Exactly. At least in his in his eyes, he's being bullied again. And that's all he experiences is a love, a, a turmoil life. Yeah. Um, and that was the best advice we was, we received is no matter what he was dealing with outside of the external factors. Now, obviously, there's there's a degree like right. if he's a, a domestic terrorist, you don't just welcome <laughs> him in or anything right. like that. Granted, he was borderline domestic terrorist tearing up a classroom, <laughs> but I mean, he he definitely understood eventually that what he did was wrong. And at the end of the day, when we brought him home, calmed him down, we talked about it, which he absolutely hated talking about. But when we were forced to talk about it, he's like, "Yes, I know I was wrong. I was acting out. Mm -hmm. and I apologize." The next day, we go to class, and he'll apologize to the class. He'll stand in front of the class and apologize. Which is great, and then he'll flip out again. Yeah, uh, because that's the only. Looks like he's checking the box. Yeah, and apologize, but I don't mean it. And so, I he's still to this day. We're still trying to figure that out. Is his sense of gratitude, um, in his sense of responsibility, is still not there. Like the gratitude nature of him doing something right. He expects the world. Mm. Like his favorite thing, like I mean, going back to MMA, it's like um, for the class, if you do, he does three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Every day he gets a token to go into like the little vending machine to get a trinket. And he, oh, gets, cool. he gets three tokens, up to three tokens a week. If he does bad in school or bad in class, he'll actually get the token taken away from him. And then he'll have like a five minute conversation with Sensei Paul yeah. um, to discuss why he got that token taken. So he does not want to get his token taken. Sure. He is 
definitely a person that's a receiver and he wants to receive that attention, receive, receive, receive good attention, bad attention. All he cares about is being able to have something for himself. And that gratitude and humbleness is something that's going to be my hardest thing. Being a father is trying to humiliate, humiliate to be like laughable, but humiliate to be like humble. Uh, give him a sense of ability to understand that not everything is going to have that token if you do something right. Um, right now, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad way as a parent. Like, I don't give him like the iPad all day. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. He he definitely has restrictions on a lot of things in life, more so than most kids of our uh, generational upbringing. Uh, not our generation, but the current generational upbringing. It is definitely way less than what they would get. However, pretty much anything um, that we can do to give them a quality of life that is better than ours is all we care about. Yeah. Um, I never had a trampoline growing up. He has a 16 foot trampoline in the backyard. <laughs> like, and yeah. he never even touches anymore because he got sure. bored with it. Yeah, right. Um, it's like, I want a pool. No, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Five minutes later, they're done with it for the summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, we just we just want to make sure that we give him um, that environment, that structured, loving, foremost, and ensuring that what the external factors to our households that we can combat with an ability to ensure that he is going to be a again productive member of society. That's my number one staple in life. Is so you have to be a productive member of society, um, but to be able to lead up to that point do good in school, do extracurricular stuff, be in the church, um, be a leader, not being a person that plays video games for 12 hours a day, Um, not being a person who's a bully, not being a person who just goes, cuts down trees just to kill stuff Mm -hmm. or, and just be able to understand like what life should be and what it is and not allow these external factors. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we're sheltering him, but we're basically guiding him down that path to where he can actually make those self-sufficient things. Yeah, for sure. What does that look like? Um, you know, cause it sounds to me like you, you run a fine line, like a fine balancing act of, um, disciplining in a way where it's not too much, but at the same time, you're also being gentle with him. So like, how does that, what does that look like? Because, Obviously, you can't let Ethan get away with everything at the house. You can't right. praise him for everything. He's a seven-year-old boy. Right. Right. Landing the same thing. Like, they're going to act up. They're going to do things that get on your nerves and frustrate you. But knowing where Ethan is coming from and also trying to model something for Landon, how does discipline look in your house between you and your wife? So, typically say that she's the bad guy because she's... <laughs> She's a stay-at-home mom, and she has to be more disciplined than I am. I'm the fun-loving dad. Mm. Um, I will say that's accurate, sadly, um, but that's also a personal choice because of the upbringing I had. Okay. Um, I'm not saying I, I go to the store and give them candy every single time. Absolutely not. But like, if I'm at Home Depot with one of them, they're getting a lollipop. Sure. Um, and I don't care if it costs a dollar for a lollipop because they've been good in store. They're good and good behavior. Re- receives good reward sure but not every single time they have to understand that a positive impact on society whether in the household 
hey, you didn't you didn't knock over that cart at the grocery store. Here's like five hundred dollars, like just outrageous Dude. stuff. Just outrageous stuff like that. I'm never going to do that. But if as long as they <laughs> right, <laughs> but as long as they do um, well enough stuff that you positively reward them, reward them, not like. Hey, you get ice cream every night. Mm -hmm. Thanks for eating your dinner. You get ice cream. Right. You want them to understand the value of making a good decision. Right. It's not, you don't get it every time, but hey, you did something really well. Exactly. Here's a reward. Exactly. And so we we try to uh, harmoniously, me and Tiffany, try to instill that like she's, actually, you know what? No, actually, she's more so. She she definitely allows for that more positive upbringing. I am more disciplined when it comes to like rewarding. Uh, or less giving when it comes to reward okay. versus her. And so with that, it makes us uh, a super well-balanced lifestyle with that. And so it is definitely unique when it comes to our relationship for rewarding discipline. And I honestly, I think the way we are now with it, um, and we've received a lot of wisdom from the counselor, from... Uh, people at church to some other friends that we have that dealt with su such issues like what we're dealing with now. Not this extreme ever. I, I've, I've not met a family or I've only met a few families that have been like that extreme. But like being in those type of environments, um, ensuring that that stern discipline of like you will do the right thing or else you'll lose privilege. Mm -hmm. um, and especially now that we are kind of understanding how our children receive positive uh, affirmation like ethan he loves trinkets if you would go in his little nightstand drawer is filled with a brand of trinkets of like nothing yeah um so you, if you take away his trinkets he will literally flip out and he'll do whatever you want what the heck of the trinket um so a trinket is like a little uh, so like a trinket is like, like a, a toy a, a toy of nothing. okay like a toy a, of what of nothing it's okay like, it's like a, a unpurposeful toy okay so gotcha. like he like today he got three trinkets I call them trinkets yeah. but like it's like a plastic six sided die okay that you can never do anything with yeah it's like you can't play any kind of game with it it's just a plastic dice gotcha okay um and so like all these like random like little knickknacks or stuff is literally his little bedside stand is just full of all these little toys of nothing cool. okay like literally like five cent pieces of china stuff yeah uh, but he loves them yeah it's his. Um, going to the student store every Friday when he was in school, we would send him a quarter. And if we didn't send him a quarter, he would flip out. Mm -hmm. um, not flip out in school, but he, he, you can tell his mood depression was like raised through. Yeah. Like, I didn't earn my quarter this week. Nope, you didn't take out the trash this week. Mm. Uh, I'll take it out right now. Nope, you lost, your, you lost your chance. Remember next week. Oh, I'll remember next week, I promise. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, we're trying to teach that instillment of even at six, you know, I would make him take out the trash. And, mm -hmm. like, that's a small uh, age-appropriate chore that he can do. And he does it and he loves to do it yeah. because he gets his trinket. Mm -hmm. uh, even if he didn't get his trinket, now he's accustomed to doing something to help out the house. That's cool. And so, like, that kind of stuff is really important to be able to demonstrate like hey if you do something productive for the house you get something in reward mm -hmm. or if you do something productive and don't get a reward it's still something productive for the house yeah and so with that we ensure that we do that balance of 
good behavior, good reward, good behavior, positive affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure, and just the inverse, negative. You forget the garbage can. Hey, here's still your quarter. Uh, I, I know you forgot your chore this week, but you did a really good the rest of the week. Here's your quarter. Yeah. And it's not just like a hand down, like, hey, every week you get that quarter and if you just wake up or not. You have to just, still has to earn it. Still has to earn it in some manner. Maybe yeah. not the all the way hundred percent. That sees a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get if you do some good stuff through the week, hey, you tried your best, you didn't act out. I know you didn't do your chores, but hey, here's your quarter, and guess what? He's happy for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Nice. You feel like that has um, made has that gotten better since this whole kind of transformation um, of him, you know, being a Tasmanian devil in the in the in the classroom to to now being super disciplined in MMA and being good at school and being good at home. Like, are these principles that you're trying to instill, um, like, you see them still making the same kind of impact? Oh, 100%. And so, I mean, we're just snowballing it now. That's good. And so, like, we challenge him harder. Mm -hmm. Um, He does better. We challenge him even more and more. It's just a snowball effect. Find ways to continue to teach him while also challenging him to grow. And we always challenge him more and more, uh, more and more at a higher degree. Yeah. So, like, a a mediocre challenge is mediocre. Like, eventually you're going to master it. Mm -hmm. We don't want... I will never want a, a mediocre child. I will. I that would fail as a father. Okay. I want again productive member side. I want my children to be the best examples of human beings. I'm not saying I'm going to be president of the United States, right? But I want them to do something that's noteworthy in life. You live one life. Yeah. I don't want him to go off and just yeah. tiddly winks for like a nine to five job. I want him to do something important. Yeah. Do that important thing. You have to do hard work to get to that important mm-hmm. mess. If you don't, I mean, if I don't challenge them, I challenge both my kids every single day. I make my, I mean, Ethan, he just, uh, his end of school year results, he's in the 97th percentile in America for math. Wow. I mean, he's, and so that's my brain. Not to, yeah, I'll, I'll take credit for that one. <laughs> um, but uh, he, uh, he's, he's math gifted. I, I'm making him do multiplication at six. Wow. And he's, Oh yeah, there's there's three fives equals fifteen, and like a multiplication, I wasn't doing that until like probably I was the like eight or nine. So yeah, like him yeah. a couple of years earlier, he's I'm, ahead. I'm, I'm hoping to start snowballing him, and he'll be like a math genius or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so like I want to make sure he has those opportunities, but I want to keep challenging him to earn those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And if he is at that uh, level in life where he's mastered the mediocrity. And now he's going, hey, I'm, I'm at the dance level. Like I've already advanced or mastered the dance level. Now I need to go to like the expert level. I, I will do whatever it takes to get him there. And again, my upbringing, I was, I took fifth grade math three times. I was in the third grade, the fourth grade, and the fifth grade because I had no other option. Mm. I was in a podunk town in the middle of backwards Oregon. And granted, I love my life there. I, I saw my friends today from there, but I was never had the ability to challenge. Mm. I taught myself algebra over the summer. And from middle school, I'd walk into the high school and take math. By, by the time I was in the 10th grade, I, I took all the math classes possible. And so I TA'd math because there was nothing else. Yeah. And so I, I didn't have those opportunities. Hence why we're in an environment now 
where my son, granted, he's not going to go teach calculus at age 10 or anything like that. But I, I want to be able to have him have the ability to excel in whatever facet of life he's in. If he's going to be the next uh, uh, Gracie uh, in MMA, uh, hey, shoot, I'm glad he's with uh, Coach Paul Hayden with uh, his school, and then he'll go off. I'll just fly him to Brazil and Japan, let him do his thing, and be the best jujitsu person in the world. Yeah, I want to make sure my kids have those opportunities. However, they have to earn them, and they're not given to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoon feed him mixed martial arts, or I'm not going to spoon feed him math or whatever in life that they want to do. I want to make sure that they earn it in a structured environment that's loving, conditional, or disciplined, where they have to actually, again, earn it yeah. versus something that's given to them. Yeah. Man, I can I can totally see how your upbringing has helped shape the way that you are parenting your boys. Mm. It's very apparent. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about when you were a kid, you, you, you had to work for what you wanted. Nothing was given to you, you know, all these things. And now you're number one, one of your most important things, um, for your boys is to get them to a point where they earn what they have. They learn the discipline of hard work, um, and also understand that nothing in life comes free. Right. As a kid, right. You're going to get things. Your parents take care of you, right? That's not the case for everybody, but you've been blessed to be able to provide for your kids. Right. But to have the mentality that by the time my kids leave the house, I want them to understand what work is and what work will get you. Um, I can totally see how that comes and stems from your your childhood. Yeah, definitely. Um, so something, something that was on my mind uh, while you were talking um, – is again th- this podcast is about fathers sure um but i think i think something to take into consideration um i'm gonna go on a little tangent here okay uh get on my soapbox so prepare yeah. yourself take a drink um i believe that uh and this i don't think is a popular opinion but i do think there's a lot of people who would agree with me that may not speak up one of the conversations that i've been having a lot lately, um, and I think I might have shared this with you at our last get together. Um, is the idea that I don't? Is, I'm trying to say this the most appropriate way, <laughs> but no, you know what? I don't feel like I don't feel like fathers. Um, I don't feel like we get the. I don't want to say. I don't want to say recognition. Um, I will say this. I don't think that how we feel and what we go through mentally is acknowledged enough. Um, I've seen it through other people. I've mm-hmm. experienced it myself. And um, and I, I just truly believe that um, there, is a, there are a lot of men out there who are fathers um, and husbands who are just wrecked inside. Sure. Um, and to use your words earlier, like just so lost, not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, know that a, there's a job that has to be done. I can't sit around and bitch and complain or cry because if I do that, nothing's going to get done. And my family's not going to be taken care of. Right. Um, I feel like 
we, we are not given enough opportunity to really dwell in the moment and feel, uh, just feel feelings. I don't know how else to put that. Um, the reason what I'm getting at is this, um, you've been through a lot. Um, you've had a crazy childhood. You've done a lot for yourself in the military. You now are fathering two kids. You've gone through this crazy hurricane of, you know, a six-year-old boy. Um, man, I can't imagine that's been easy for you. Um, Gary, you and I have had several conversations um, where I've asked you how you're doing, and you just say, I'm tired. I'm just beat up. I don't know what to do. Um, I want you to walk us through uh, just that period in your life, right, between November and, and this past, was it March or April? Mm -hmm. um, it's a small amount of time in relation to everything else, but there was a significant point in your life um, and I'm really curious just to hear like what was going on through, in your mind. How did you cope with that personally? What did that do to you spiritually? And, and what was it that helped you continue to push forward? Where, where'd you draw your strength from? I mean, you've mentioned several times about your church community. I mean, obviously you and I are in the same church community and I can, I can attest like the, the men in our group are amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that they really push hard for is that men be heard and that men are given a platform to talk about what's going on in their lives. Right. Because we don't give ourselves enough time to do that. And we're hard on ourselves. And to be frank, like, I think the world tells us to suck it up and deal with it because that's our job. Mm -hmm. Man, if you do that, you're going to go crazy. I've gone through that. A part of the reason why this podcast has taken so long for me to do another episode is because I've been in my own head for the past however many months it's been. Beating myself up not giving myself enough credit, telling myself I'm not good enough. Um, and I'm dealing with a one-year-old, right? She can't even talk. Yeah. Um, you know, I've questioned before, like, am I doing a good enough job? Is, you know, am I succeeding as a father, as a husband? Is Taylor happy with my performance? Is, does Remy feel loved? Does she feel secure? Does all of these things. And I've been telling myself the answer is no. I've been beating myself up. I've been going through this like crazy whirlwind of, depression and all these things trying to figure out man like who how do i get this out of my head how do i move forward how do i how do i how do i conquer this um and uh i don't know if that was your story i don't know if that's how you felt but i do know that sometimes life beats us up as dads and um we're not always given an opportunity to express that so i think it would really be cool to hear just what went through your mind during that time. Right. So <clears throat> I will say the life of a family is not as good as the harmonial, harmonial relationship between you and your spouse. Mm. And if me and Tiffany did not have such a strong bond, I... I don't even wish this on my worst enemy how how bad our family would have been in turmoil. Mm. And as bad as it was, um to her grace, like Tiffany did a spectacular job. And going into the, like I don't like the word recognition either, because recognition means you're entitled to something. Mm. And in a relationship with a household, you should never be entitled. 
even though you may perceive that you are working harder than your spouse or your family or you're doing so much internally, it will always be a 50-50 thing. Um, and I just listened to some like clip the other day like, hey, I'm only feeling like 20% today. Can you do that 80% this afternoon? You know what? That's actually a great viewpoint of that. You had a long day at work. I am, I'm just done. Wife or your spouse had another one that's a hard day at work. I'm just done. You're both at 20. Mm -hmm. Your kids need that other 60. What are you going to do? You want some recognition? Hey, I had a hard day. I'm having a beer. I'm checking out. Yeah. I mean, and there's a point where like you can only go some of these days where like, man, I got to jump up to that extra 60%. Because my, my my spouse is done, and as a man, to be to be truthful, that's your job. Yeah, you are supposed to be the leader of the household, the spiritual leader, as we're unraveling in, in church and everything like that, which helps me out with this this uh, battle. Um. Because in all reality, I, I come, I work like, so some days, like I said, like this past week has been utopia. I come home like two, three o'clock versus yeah. five, six o'clock. That's normal. But like other weeks where I'm working 60, 70 hours a week and I come home, I just want to have a drink and the kids are crazy. The wife's just checked out. I just, I just suck the egg <laughs> and go for it and just try to be that best spousal support as possible. It's not a recognition. I got accolades everywhere in the room. I got accolades at work. That's great. I got accolades at the house, my kids. That's my recognition mm -hmm. is how my kids are perceived to society. So me and Tiffany, we'll go to the store. Kids are acting crazy one day and we're just upset and going nonstop. We put both kids in the shopping cart. We're just piling food around them because they were just so wild. They're going around store and all of a sudden they start playing with the food and we're like just freaking out in our heads and all of a sudden like this like seven year old person comes by and says man your kids are so cute mm -hmm. that's the recognition mm -hmm. i don't need recognition from tiffany tiffany doesn't need recognition from me we have that communal relationship i don't need recognition from my kids i'm still upbringing them when, I, when they're 18 19 and they're like Wow, Dad, you did such a good job raising me. Thank you. Okay, I'll take the recognition. Sure. But right now, we're at a place in our youthful parental life, not in, not in like real life, but youthful parental life, where all we care about is ensuring our kids are perceived to be the best people in society as possible. Mm -hmm. And if your kids are the ones that people are like, this is the reason why we don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Or, man, this is the reason why I was an adults only. Like, I, I never want our kids to be like that. Yeah. I want our kids to be the cool kids. And if you raise them right through that structural discipline of the, that fine balance between love and everything, um, your recognition will be through the society. Mm -hmm. Like... Pretty, uh, I mean, she, she'll just come up to Tiffany says, man, I, I just literally almost broke down crying because of how good Ethan just did in Sunday school. I'm like, what? That Ethan did good in Sunday school? What are you talking about? He, he's the one that terrorized the classroom three months ago. Yeah. 
Like, and obviously they knew what was going on because his whole emotional life or his entire life was in turmoil. Um, but he got out of it and like now he's out of it and you see people around us that say, man, the kids are amazing. That's the recognition. Mm-hmm. When people say that your kids are great, that's when you know that your recognition is important. Mm-hmm. If if you're like looking for accolades, like, hey, you did a good job of your 40-hour-week job or even 50, 60, you're busting your ass. You didn't get drunk tonight. Good job. You didn't get drunk tonight. Like, those aren't the recognitions you want in life. You want to have your external experience be your internal experience. Or people outside... Not saying, oh man, I wish I was like them. I want to be the shepherds one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be the Hensons one day. I it's it's it, that's that's not what recognition. Recognition is you are doing everything possible for your family to ensure that. Again, that's my favorite quota is you're a productive member of society. Mm-hmm. Your kids are well received. Your your family's well received. If I go in across the street right now and say, hey. I need a beer. Come in. Let's have a beer. Mm -hmm. Hey, can you watch my kids? Oh, yeah. I love your kids. I'll watch your kids without a second hesitation. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, hey, can can you watch my kids? I I really need to go to a doctor appointment. Your kids are little demons. I don't want to watch your kids. Yeah. Uh, Your your kids are going to destroy my house. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the type of recognition you want to like. Yeah. Where your perception of what you're doing is great. And yes, perception. That's that's the pinnacle word of that. Not everything in life is rosy. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids, <laughs> my kids started jumping around at Home Depot across all their couches at a like little outdoor furniture section. I literally lost my mind. I'm mm-hmm. like, "What are you all doing? Screaming at the top of my lungs? Get back here! Get in the car! Put them in the car!" Store manager comes over. Hey, is everything okay? What's going on? Uh, sorry, my kids are acting a little crazy. Your kids are crazy. They're just sitting there. Oh, they were jumping around the couch. You should see what other people do. Wow. And so, like, it it puts a reality that you're doing the right thing. And kind of circle back to me to be the selfish part of that. Like, of course, I want recognition. Everyone wants to be. Everyone wants to be perceived as doing something important. And like, shoot, I <laughs> even we just talked. I, I don't know if the recording or not, but like. Like my worth to my organization is not what I perceive it to be. I don't get the recognition I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm humble by it. I don't care. I will still work. I will still do my job. I'll do the best I can. I don't care about recognition. I never cared about recognition. My, listen, accolades, because that's recognition, but like my work performance is my recognition enough. My influence I have on other people is recognition enough. Where I get people say, man, thank you for taking the time. Hey, want a job? Hey, I'll give you a job tomorrow. I, I, I really want you to come work because of how much effort you put into me. I'm like, those are the types of things that help me understand that what I'm doing is purposeful. Not the recognition. Mm-hmm. I don't get recognition barely ever. Yeah. Uh, tipping... She does more than most, obviously, because she's my spouse. Don't say she has to, but she does because she sees my integration in life. Kids, they're kids. They're not going to give the recognition. Say, I love you. And they'll mean it. I think they'll mean it now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, they say, I love you. And, they, and I'll perceive it as they mean it. But, uh, I mean, 
it truly that's the highest recognition you can have. If your kids say I hate you, mm. imagine Remy their first words I hate you. Mm. F, F that. Yeah. No, I would never want that. I I I don't want my kids to ever say I hate you. Mm-hmm. If they say I hate you, it's because I'm either being too stern or not loving enough. Mm-hmm. And there's that, that balance that we've already alluded to. You have to figure it out. Where you need to ensure your kids are raised to the point, I would say brink, but to a point where they understand that, hey, you need to push yourself hard and that we love you to the point where we're going to make sure that you are successful. Yeah. So don't stop pushing yourself. We're going to coach you through it, and we're going to love you through it, and you're going to come up with bruises and scrapes and everything, mentally scars, physical scars, emotional scars. But we're going to love you and coach you through that. That way, when you go off to life, because until you're 18, in my opinion, until you get outside the house, um, they're they're out of the house at 18. I, I don't do that. I will maybe if they do college locally, sure, but mm-hmm. um, to help save money. But like 18, you're an adult, you figure out. Yeah. And I'm going to coach you up to that point. That's the recognition. And when my kids do great in life, that's my recognition. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. I like it. Um, one thing I've asked uh, the previous guys who have been on here is, um, you know, one, one thing that I think is, is important to note is parenthood is a, is a, is a hard task. Right. Um, to come by, but uh, what's what's very interesting is learning how to do that well with your spouse. So, um, what does that look like with Tiffany in terms of uh, raising your boys together? Um, how has that helped y'all grow? Has it taught you anything new about yourselves? Um, like, what does parenting with Tiffany look like? I have the greatest spouse in the world. <laughs> she has been an adult as a child. Um, she what? She's been an adult as a child. So okay. her mom sadly had a head injury when she was 11 or 12. And so she had to be an adult really quick because she didn't have the adult mother. It actually reverted her back from being 40 to like 13. Wow. It, like currently that's her mindset. Uh, almost basically, yeah, right yeah. Now. Uh, but like as an adolescent for Tiffany in high school, mm-hmm. her mom was more ju- juvenile in her brain compared wow. to her what she was. Yeah, so she was an adult way quicker than us. Yeah, and with that, um, plus being with her sister, um, my nephew, sixteen, my oldest nephew, and. I'm gonna butcher the other two, but I think 14 and 13 now. So the older nieces and nephews. With Tiffany being that household upbringing, us waiting so long to have kids. um, Tiffany was, uh, I don't want to say the age, but she was in her 30s uh, having kids, and so um, it allowed us to have a more mature lifestyle going into parenthood than most. Especially, like I said, me being 23, trying to have kids, that'd be ridiculous. Hmm, yeah. Allowed us to have a more mature lifestyle going to it. But Tiffany exponentially onto that with one being a nurturing mother. It's just 
I want to say primal instinct, but that's just second nature to women. I bless them for that. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, Tiffany's just such an incredible mother. And I honestly just shut up and listen to her. Mm. Um, like, I will Google some stuff on the side to make sure what she says is correct. <laughs> and 99% of the time, it's right. That's and so, like, I will, I will give it to her for that. Yeah. Um, but she is just an incredible mother, and I couldn't even fathom my life without her, her ability to raise her children the way they do, or she does, and um, just her instinctful sense on how to do things right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, on the flip side, like, I, I've had a life, obviously, and I have my own intuitions and desires to raise my kids a certain way and parental instincts or second nature. They just come at you like, all right, kid, don't start playing with the matches. You're actually going to light the match. Let's, let's teach you how to light a match. Right. Versus just start lighting the whole box and there goes the whole backyard. Yeah. And so I've done that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've literally lit my friend's backyard. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it uh it allows for gosh just a harmonious balance between the two of us to be able to raise our children right and honestly um marriage is supposed to be a one-time thing Mm -hmm. raising children is supposed to be a one-time thing get it right don't rush into it i know shoot i want to say i rushed into it um god was so fortunate enough to give me tiffany because I don't deserve her. I'll never deserve her. I understand the way our lives uh, collided to be the way it's supposed to be in God's awakening and my rejuvenation for him. Um, but with that, it's... It is a harmonious relationship to make sure that what you do as parents are synced. Because if you're not synced together the way you parent your children, it it just creates confusion. Mm-hmm. It creates hostility. It creates nothing positive. So, like, for example, if I'm the good guy, I come home from a work trip. I'm gone for two weeks. I come home. Tiffany's going stir crazy. The boys are crazy. I just come and say, hey, here's all the candy. Let's go to the park. Let's do all the stuff. All that work she did for the past two weeks is null void. Mm. I just erased everything she worked hard for and everything. Yeah. So we're even when I'm on the road, we're in constant communication. To to the fact, going back to January, I get pictures of the tornado while I'm in some other state. Yeah. Um, I'm not there to discipline my son. I literally have to rely on Tiffany, mm-hmm. and not rely. I am so thankful mm-hmm. that she's there. And if I wasn't in a harmonious relationship that you as a spouse are supposed to do before you have kids, you have kids after you have your spouse, your wife's first, your family's first, then your kids are second. If you don't build that first and understand how a relationship's going to work first, your kids are going to be never the same mm. or, they're, or they're not going to be good. Um, sure, there's an edge case that they will be, but more than likely statistically, 
your kids outside of wedlock before you actually raise them or before you actually set your boundaries as a spousal support structure to raise the children, your kids are not going to be successful. That's just scientific statistics. Yeah. Um, but with us, fortunately, we had that nine-year honeymoon because it wasn't, air quote, stable, which truly wasn't. I was gone forever and still am, but it's different now that we're more mature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can still provide, well, I hate to say to be the absent parent, but I still provide being the absent parent. Um, it allows us to have that symbolic relationship and balance between our family. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for that communication between Tiffany and I, she'll yell at me all day. I suck at communication, but I feel like I over communicate. Yeah. But if it wasn't for our constant communication, even while I'm gone, I, especially when I'm gone, I make sure we video time a couple times a day. I make sure we pray over the phone. Um, I make sure we do stuff that's as routine as possible, even though I'm gone to ensure that I'm still present. Um, But if it wasn't for our harmonious relationship, our children would never be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I heard something. um, It was talking about raising kids together and kind of to your point, like how being, um, I don't know. You said harmonious, but like, what's the opposite of that? What's what's the word I would say? Like, <laughs> I'm not musical. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah, the idea is like, if you're not on the same page, make it appear as if you are in front of the kids. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, if mom says this, dad support her. Yeah. If dad says this, mom support him. When that conversation with the kids is done, then you guys go back in the room. You have the conversation about how you want things to move forward realistically um and and i love that picture because 100 percent, i agree with you when it comes to raising kid or kids um you know remy can't talk she doesn't really know what's going on right. right but there have been moments where taylor and i have um we've disagreed on how we should handle things and then there's been a lot of times where we've both been on the same page about how we should move forward with this being on the same page on how you handle a situation just blows not being on the same page out of the water. Right. Um, and in your situation where you're gone, being on the same page is almost a necessity in order for you two to raise your kids together. Right. And so, um, man, I'm just kudos to you, dude, for being able to do that, being gone as long as you are, and then coming home and understanding the dynamic and realizing that I can't just come into the house and trump Tiffany because like you said, everything she's worked on for the past however long is out the window at that point. Mm-hmm. My kids see that, hey, you know what? Doesn't matter what mom said, I'm gonna do or you're gonna do what I say you're gonna do. Right. And I just don't <laughs> I can't think of anything more undermining than that. Right. And the fact that you recognize that and then also recognize what that could do to your kids as far as maybe their respect for either of you mm-hmm. um, and then also what that could do for your marriage. I mean, recognizing that and choosing to get in front of it is huge. And I do think that that is a huge contributing factor to a good, successful marriage and parenting as well. So 
Definitely. That's good. You know, um, one of the things I like to do is kind of ask you a couple questions. You know, I think I really loved what you've had to say tonight. I feel like I've heard a lot about your story and we've gotten a good insight into just your situation. Um, but I really just like to hear kind of some of the things that you've learned through this process um, that you'd want to share. So um, I guess the two, the two biggest questions is um, like, what have you learned about yourself during this time? Being a parent, being a dad, being a husband, you know, your role and all of that. What's something that you've learned about yourself that it took parenting to bring out? And then what is something that you would like to share as like a little nugget of advice for anybody listening? So the biggest thing I've learned about myself is that I'm imperfect. I will absolutely never be the perfect father. And as much as I strive to be like, as like right now, that's my, I, I've alluded to this whole time is the only thing I care about is my children and how I raise them and how they are in the next step of their life. I want to make sure that I nurture them, mold them, develop them to be exceptional. And gosh, I am absolutely not, I don't think any parent is. And for you to demand perfection um, when raising your children, it just can't be. And you have to realize that if you do good one day, give yourself a high five. Mm. If you do bad the next day, okay, take what you learn that, mold yourself around it, and then go from there to be the next day. Mm -hmm. um, but every day is a different day. Every day, you can't be 100% perfect. Some days you'll get 98, some days you get 99. Most days, if you get 70, man, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. um, at, Especially with so many external factors, especially on the fathers that's supposed to be the provider for the house. You have way more external factors, especially my relationship with, with me and Tiffany, being Tiffany being a stay-at-home mom. Her external factors are way less than mine. I'm not saying that they're as extreme and influential, but they are not as robust. That's just a fact because of all the job requirements I have. Shoot, even my community work, I just want to scream my head off because of the 281 and all the people who can't drive. But uh, it just, all my external factors play 100% into my perfection of how I'm trying to raise my children. And if I have a bad day at work, I try to put on the game face. I hate that mass facade, but I try to put on the game face when I come home. I hope to be 50% when I do that. Mm -hmm. Most days I just check out, come in here, do some trivia work on my computer, drink some bourbon, and just ignore life uh, because I had such a bad day at work. And a majority of my days were bad at work. It's just fact of life right now. Yeah. Um, however, being able to realize how much a positive impact I have on my family. Um, understanding that even if I give that extra 10%, my kids are so overjoyed. Mm -hmm. I would never thought that that was so important. 
just that ten percent extra. If I put my phone down for an extra hour a day, like as we all in this digital age, just check out scrolling on BS on our phone. If I just throw my phone into the closet and just force myself not to have it and just spend some time with the kids, they're over the moon. Yeah. And I will say, like, you live one life. I I am a firm believer you live one life. Point A to point B, whatever you put in that middle is truly impactful. If you do it on the phone, on the couch, while your kids are running around you, I mean, that's not right. Yeah. If you put that extra 5% effort, hey, you want to jump in the car and go to the park? Yeah, let's go to the park, Dad. Yeah. Just a little bit just puts a smile on their face, and they'll never remember that for the rest of their life. But in that moment, they realize that Dad's there. Yeah. You give your mom, the mom, God bless them. I could never be a mom. Uh, I could never be a mom. Um, you give them that one night off. I'm so thankful Tiffany got to do her nails for the first time in f- like five years today. <laughs> like I didn't even like put that one grand. We're in Germany, so it's weird to do it over there. Is but, it really? Oh, uh, yeah. So, oh, wow. Okay. So we, we really, and COVID and uh, German socialism is, is, is bad. But uh, um, she had her nails done in five years. And you know what? Today, like, she went out, she had a doctor's appointment, went to get her nails done, went grocery shopping. She called me. I talked to her for, like, two minutes, hung up the phone on her, and she did her thing. She had her mom on uh, for a well-deserved time off, hopefully it was restful. Mm. And just those little things in life pay dividends. For you to give the mom a break, because even though you're working that 40, 50, 60-hour-a-week job, moms are 24-7. Mm. And could be the inverse. Mom's a breadwinner. The father's there. I mean, that can be a thing. But the father needs to provide for the house. If the providing for the house is staying there, it's structurally it, sure, whatever that is. But whoever the main parental person for the family, and there always will be a main. Mm. Granted, you need to make it 50-50 as much as possible. There will always be a main. Ensuring that relief is there, even though how much effort you put into it to make that 50 divide, one's the financial, one's the structure, flip it inverse or just dissolve it for a second just to have a relief for both sides. But parentally, whoever does the most for parental side, give as much relief. And I'm so fortunate enough that we're here in an environment today um, that we have a community that we, that allows that. It's been years mm. that we've had a community where we have a structural support where Tiffany can take a day off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's been, again, five years since Tiffany's had her nails done. Just something simplistic like that. Yeah. And she's not a girly girl. So like she doesn't have to do her facial or anything like that, but she's about to do a spa day next month. Nice. I don't remember last time she done a spa day. Yeah. And that's made me feel like a crappy husband. Like, Hey, go do a spa day. But, um, like the fact that we're in a place that we can do that is important that yeah. to give each other relief. And even for me as, as a male, like now I'm broken. My, my break is doing sports. I used to play soccer all the time. Like even as an adult being soccer rec leagues, that was my relief mm-hmm. from the family. 
Um, and she would support that. Even with uh, Ethan being a little one-year-old, I'd still go out once a week and play soccer with the boys. Um, because my job was stressful, like super stressful, stressful at that time when my Ethan was one. Um, but we're isolated in Colorado. I would still go play soccer like once a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, just for like, or I would go trail running. Like I was ultra marathon training at the time. And so like I would go out there for three or four hours, just go around the woods and typically hold down the fort, even though she would hold down the fort the whole time I had work. Yeah. And so I would say the number one thing you can do as a father for the house, as much as you want to say like, hey, where's my recognition? Where's my time off? Why can't I have a beer on Saturday night just hanging out? Like it's it's a harmonious relationship and that's again i don't know music but like harmonious is where you're in sync with each other to understand where your highs and lows are in the flow of the the rhythm of your life yeah and if you realize your spouse is burnt out either the male or the female of that spousal relationship is burnt out and you're trying to raise that children and everything and you're both just done you gotta figure a way out to give each other relief take on that extra burden relieve that extra burden but in the end of the day you're 50 50 mm-hmm. no matter what yeah if you're not 50 50 your family's done mm-hmm. and it's and that weight of that 50 50 while you may see as a male hey i'm i'm paying for the house i got the car notes the electricity the water the gas the Garbage is all taken care of by my paycheck. You're sitting on the couch. That's absolutely not it. You're working a tenth compared to what they're compared to what your wife's doing with taking the kids, seeing the car line, doing PTAs, making sure the kids are like fed, clean clothes, all this kind of stuff. You have a well represented outlook for your family. I don't want to do that. Hmm. I don't think anyone wants to do that. But guess what? The motherness does it. Like it's crazy the amount of work that they do that seems like trivial. Imagine that's all you do all day. I'm just going to do laundry, make sure there's three meals on the on the table, uh, make sure the house is tidy. That's just as taxing as me doing an email all day. Yeah, and throw on top of that too, moms who stay at home and also work and also work. Gosh. Yeah. F no. Yeah. No. More power to them. I'll salute to them. I know. I have to I have to really watch myself because there's times where I'll come home and and to me I've had a stressful day. Yeah. Managing several different projects and building homes and doing all these things. I get home and I'm just beat. And, you know, Taylor will tell me I'm exhausted. I'm like, you have no idea. Right. But then I sit there and I think about everything she had to do that day on top of also her job right and uh yeah i have insert foot into mouth a lot (laughs) Uh, man but you make a lot of really good points and there's one thing that um that i i try to remind myself i'm not the best at i fail at all the time but there's this quote that i used to have written on our mirror and it was be the man of a second shift be be a man i can't remember it's been that long but it's like be the man of a second of the second shift meaning we work all day. We come home. We're the breadwinners. 
We provide, we do as much as we can to put food on the table, to provide a lifestyle for our families, you know, do all the things that society says you're supposed to do. And then also that God calls us to do as leaders in the household. You get home, then the second shift starts. Now your role as a dad starts, right? right? Your role as a husband starts. You take over, honey, what can I do? You know, I, I recognize you've had a long day. Um, you know, can I help out here, here, here? And I'll be honest with you, man. Like sometimes that's the last thing to come out of my mouth when I get home, because as you said, I want to come home. I want to decompress, sit on the couch, crack open a beer, have a good, you know, just, just like numb my mind out because it's been a long day. Right. Last thing I want to do is worry about having to deal with, take out, take over a screaming baby now worry about a 45 to an hour long 45 minute to an hour long session of trying to calm her down while i'm putting her to sleep while she's screaming in my face like it's the last thing i want to do but it's the thing that needs to be done so being able to put aside what i want for what has to be done or what needs to be done not only for remy but also for taylor give her a break because she's been like just killing it all day right she's exhausted she's tired like i like that's like i I do believe that's what we're called as husbands to do as well and the more we do that for our wives i think the better the relationship's going to be right the easier it's going to be for us to sync up and either parent together or you know go through marriage together like the more that i can show taylor that i value what she does and that I'm willing to do what I need to to lighten her her load, the more I think she's gonna wanna do that for me in return. And there's this circle, you know, this I was I went through this program one time and they talked about this marriage circle of, you know, you want to however your however your spouse responds to you, however they act towards you, at that point you then have a decision to react. And it can be good or it can be bad. Right. How I how I choose to respond shouldn't have an effect on how you choose to respond. Like now that's hard to live by because if you come at me and you're yelling at me and you're telling me all these things, yeah, my first instinct is probably going to want to be to rebuttal that and treat you the same way. Right. But I have a choice. Is it going to be to act the same way or choose to act out in love and grace and, you know, do these things where it's like, okay, God has called me to, treat you this way, to pursue you this way, to act a certain way, how you choose to respond is up to you, but it's not going to change how I choose to pursue you. It's really hard to put into play every single day, but it's something we're striving for. And I think the same thing can be said for, um, for, for parenting, right? If I come home and Taylor's upset because she's had a long day and I can't fully understand what it is she went through. Cause I've been at work myself all day. It's like, okay, well, let me recognize that Taylor is upset. What can I do? That should be my first thought. What can I do to make things easier for her? And in those times where I've done that, I feel like things have gone a lot smoother. Um, and then times where I, I failed at that, things are pretty tough. And uh, I don't know. I just, that really resonated with me, just like that idea of um, being harmonious mm-hmm. to go back to this musical term, which I don't think either of us are <laughs> musical people, but right. um, being on the same page, mm-hmm. finding ways to outserve, as I've mentioned before, doing things to lighten the load and, 
and say, hey, you know what? Regardless of how my day went, I'm going to serve you and I want to I want to do something for you to make sure that, you know, you're you don't have to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Definitely. So um, that's good, man. Uh, shoot. I think that's that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that was good. Um, you have anything else in closing? No. I feel like you kind of answered that second question. You gave some advice there, and I think that's kind of what we just hit on the last five, ten minutes. Right. Um, I know it's made an impact in my life. That's something Taylor and I are working on constantly is just this idea of putting putting aside our pride, serving each other, even when that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. Right. Yeah. Especially when we're also trying to raise somebody else. Definitely. Yeah. So... Well, Gary, thanks for your time, man. No, I thanks for your honored. wisdom. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, I like I said, you, you're definitely someone that I told Taylor earlier today. I was like, man, I'm nervous about this conversation. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't. It's been a long time since I've done this, and yeah. I don't know what I'm going to say. And and I know t- uh, Gary has a lot of really good things to talk about. And she was like, you're going to do fine. She's yeah. been super supportive of this. She's been a huge advocate <clears throat> for me getting back into just having conversations. Because there's a lot that I've taken away from tonight, yeah. and that's a big reason why I'm doing this is to just have conversations with good dudes and pick their brains and try to pick something up along the way that I can use and apply in my own life. And hopefully somebody else can listen to this and do the same. So thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for your time, dude. No, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yeah. How you going home while the sun's going down? You're still miles away You can already hear the sound Of a little voice Saying, Daddy, come out and play So you're still a couple more minutes From a damn good day You're clocking them wore out And wouldn't want it any other way I know you're tired I know you're hurting know you broke down to the bone But you feel the pain in the smiling faces Waiting on you at home It ain't always easy It ain't ever like you planned all But man, ain't it working, working man Hands hard as can be There's bread on the table There's presents under the tree I know you're tired I know you're hurting I know you broke down to the bone But you feel the pain in the smiling faces Waiting on you at home It ain't always easy It ain't ever like you planned all, but man, ain't it working, working man? It ain't always easy, it ain't ever like you planned all, but man, ain't it working, working man?
Thank you.